You know, a while ago, I, I got tired of, of paying someone to change the brakes in my car. And I thought to myself, this is certainly something I could do myself. And so I found uh, another person that did, in fact, change the brakes in their car in their own garage. And I said, hey, listen, let me, let me watch. Let me just watch one time. And I watched him change some brakes, and I thought, well, that's not nearly so bad. I think I could do it. And so then the brakes in my car were about due, and I said, well, hey, let's, let's do mine together. And so by doing them together, I, I, I held the, the wrench and the, the things while he did it, but I got my hands a little greasy and felt a little more understanding about this whole process. And so then, then I was really feeling like a super mechanic, and so... And so then uh, we, we moved, and I thought, well, I'm gonna, I should watch this at least one more time. And so breaks were due. I found somebody else that did them in their garage, and I watched them again. And, you know, I, I learned a few different things this time. And I thought, wow, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. And so then our other car, the brakes went out in that car, and I thought, now, now is the time. I have the knowledge. I can change my brakes. And I just drove around on them for a while because I knew that I could if I wanted to. But, but you know, it's interesting. Knowledge is, is one thing, but until you actually apply it and use it, you have no benefit from it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And so the fact that I knew I could change my brakes uh, mattered little until I actually said, you know what, it's time to do it. And I got, got the tools and, and a jack and some jack stands and lifted the car and and took the wheels off and you won't believe it but i successfully changed the brakes in a car yes thank you thank you very much i know you're all you're all overwhelmed with that as was i now here we are at the end of 31 weeks of going through uh, the bible and i think we all have this great amount of biblical knowledge and we think to ourselves oh my goodness i have so much biblical knowledge I have been through the Bible. I am a super Bible scholar. I don't know what the big deal is about going to seminary and why it takes people three and four years. My goodness, we did it in 31 weeks. Well, shoot, I'm ready to go do something with this information now. And we just kind of keep it to ourselves. But, but you know, all of the things that we would say you should do with the Bible, you know, we say you should read the Bible. That's true. Uh, the Scripture tells us we should even memorize it. We should hide it in our heart. Yes, that's also very, very true. But there's something else the Bible says we should do with it, and that is use it. We should use the Bible. We should use the information in it more than just this cerebral knowledge or this trivial pursuit. But there is a sense in which we should use the Bible. You know, having a map in the glove box of your car is incredibly helpful if you're traveling in a place you do not know. But until you open the map and use it to navigate, you benefit not from it. And so this morning, I want to look at Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16 and 17. We've got them on the screen here. As Paul sort of maps out for us how it is that we should use God's Word. And so let's, let's take a look at, at this here. 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture 
is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. I want to take each of those words there for teaching, reproof, correction, training, uh, and being proficient. And I want to kind of look at how Paul models that here in the verses that surround it in chapter uh, 3, verses 10 through 4, verse 8. The first thing Paul says is that it's useful for teaching. Teaching is giving information about what is right. And so we can say that we can use God's Word to know the right path. We can use God's Word to know what the right path is. An image from driving might be helpful here again. Uh, knowing the right path is sort of like lane markers. You know what I'm saying? It lets you know that between here and here is where you should be. This right here is the correct path for you to travel. God's Word is useful to teach us what the right path is. It is useful for saying, this is, the, this is the road you should travel to get from this destination to your eternal destination. Using God's Word to know the right path is helpful. Paul understood this truth, and in the verses right before this, chapter 310 through verse 15, we see that Paul uh, has this to say for us in chapter uh, 10, 3, 10 through 15. He says, Now you have observed my teaching... My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life uh, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that there? The sacred writings which are able to instruct you, able to teach you to know the right path. Did you catch what that right path looked like, according to Paul? He said, I have been through persecutions. I have been through great suffering. And what does he say there? He says, and what great suffering it was. He says, this is the right path. He didn't say it was an easy path. He just said it was the right one. But you know, there's something about knowing the right path that gives you the ability to endure. You know, there's something about knowing the right path that gives you the ability to endure on it. Nobody in this room would just sign up for an elective surgery that's going to do you no good. Hey, listen, we just want to cut you open and then put you right back together. We're not going to do anything but just cut you open and put you right back together. Nobody in this room would sign up for that. If somebody came up to you with a needle and said, hey, listen, I've just got a little bit of saline in this needle and I just kind of want to stick you with a needle just, just, just to stick you with a needle. Nobody in this room would say, hey, yeah, that'd be okay with me. Uh, no, we would not do that because we don't want to go through that kind of suffering or that kind of pain uh, without there being a purpose. But, but if your life depends on it, and the doctor says, hey, listen, if you don't get this surgery, then you are going to die. But if you get it, you will be able to live a long, healthy life. N none of us would turn that down. We may not like it. We may not be happy about it. But we would submit to it. We would say, you know what? If the, the road to life takes me through a place of suffering, then I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. If the doctor says, hey, listen, you're going to need this vaccination or you're going to need the shot, uh, if, if you're going to want to avoid some of these really painful illnesses, well, then we're going to take it. 
We're going to take it. Why? Because we don't want to go through uh, that because we, we know that this is the right path, even though it's uncomfortable. Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, you need to know what the right path is. Because when you get to places of suffering, when you get to difficult parts in your life and you're tempted to deviate, he says it's helpful to know that what you're going through is exactly what you need to be going through. You've got to know what the right path is. And Paul knew and he was able to remain faithful. He goes on to talk about how he's able to receive the award of faithfulness. Uh, and he wants Paul, uh, he wants Timothy to do the same thing. And so God's word is able to teach us what is good. I, I don't think there's any surprises there. There's another word in there that's the word reproof. And we see that that word is describing uh, what God's word is useful for. And it's that God's word is useful to identify and avoid the wrong path. Uh, Reproof is showing someone what is the wrong path. It's again, let's go back to driving. Uh, It's not enough if you go down a road to see you know, a sign that says, you know, you know, this slow down or speed limit. But you will come to places where there's these giant red and white signs that say, do not enter. Do not enter this area. Why? Because this is the wrong path. If you see this sign, you should not travel this way down this road. It is the wrong path for you to go through. If you've gotten road maps and you've traveled through the mountains, You'll notice sometimes there's roads that have dots or little italic writing across them that say, this road is closed during the winter. In other words, this is the wrong path to travel during the winter. Uh, Maps are helpful in identifying right paths and wrong paths. And God's Word is useful for identifying the wrong path as well. Let's look at a few instances here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13. We looked at this earlier, but it says... Uh, wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. Uh, let's pick up the same theme here in chapter 4, verse 3, where it says, For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. Paul is identifying for Timothy, he says, Listen, not everybody's going to travel the right path. And there's going to be teachers even that will teach what the wrong path is. But he says, Timothy, I don't want you to be surprised by it because I'm showing you what the wrong path is. Paul is here not just describing the right path, but he's describing for Timothy the wrong path. He's saying this is the wrong road to travel. Uh, Maps are so useful in identifying that. It's one of the reasons I like maps more than GPSs. Uh, I've used GPS and I've used maps if you've ever traveled with a GPS, you know it's a screen about this big. If you've got a map, it's like this big, which is so great for covering up the windshield when you're trying to drive. But, but, but it's, it's good in other respects. But the GPS is like this big, and it always shows you sort of the same thing. One yellow line, and that's the road you're traveling on. And, and you know sometimes you'll see things you cross, but it doesn't do a good job of describing other stuff uh, around you. I remember one time we were trying to find the Nashville Science Center, and we said, you know what, we're going to take the GPS to find the Nashville Science Center. And so we're driving through Nashville. We were getting lost through Nashville. But because we had the GPS, we felt like we were not lost. You know, every turn it was confidently saying, you know, turn right, turn left. And we were getting further and further from our correct destination until we realized it was really off when it told us to turn right 
into what looked like a road that had now been closed and the interstate had been laid going perpendicular to it. It wanted us to turn into a wall, and that's really not helpful. Um, And having a GPS, you don't see all of the wrong roads. You don't see that. That looks kind of humorous, but there's a park ranger in Death Valley who is on a mission uh, in life to make sure the GPS is the right information. Because a, a few summers ago, a family took a wrong turn down what was an old mining road that for some reason showed up on this GPS that has been closed for probably 40 or 50 years. And this family didn't survive. This, this mother did, her child did not. People are getting lost because they do not know what the wrong road is. They, they see what, what seems to be the right road, but they don't have enough information to know that the other paths are wrong. God's Word is helpful not just because it describes what is right, but because it describes what is wrong as well. If we want to borrow an analogy here, or make up an analogy rather, I think the GPS is kind of like your conscience. You know, your conscience can do a pretty good job most of the time telling you this is the right path. You should do this. You should not do that. But it's only God's Word in the full view of things that's able to infallibly and and always 100% correctly say, listen, this is right and this is wrong. And church, let me tell you, you need God's Word to be able to identify and avoid the wrong path. Well, let's say you get off the right path. You end up on the wrong path. God's Word does something else. Paul gets at it when he says uh, for uh, teaching, reproofing, and correcting... God's Word also shows you corrective paths. Corrective paths. It helps you find your way back to the right path. Uh, Correct is causing someone to become correct. Uh, It is sort of like traveling down uh, in a city where you find one of those directional arrows that says, I-65 is this way. That is so helpful to to see those when you're in the middle of a place that you don't really know, but you know that there's this directional sign that says, listen, if you've somehow ended up here, but you want to get back to I-65, this is the road that you should take to get back to where you want to be. And God's Word does that too. It talks about roads that we might say roads of repentance that lead us back to the place where we should be traveling. Uh, Paul goes on to talk about this in chapter 4, verses 2 and 5. And he reminds Timothy, he says, you need to proclaim the message. Uh, Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. Uh, Skip down to verse 5. It says, as for you, always be sober, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. You know, uh, evangelism is a form of corrective teaching. Evangelism is a form of teaching that reminds people that where they are is not where they ought to be, but that through Christ a way has been, has been made that they could travel back to the path that God had corrected or constructed for them. It shows someone how to be made right with God. And Paul reminds Timothy, he says, do this at all times, even when it's out of date. You know, church, a time is coming and, and perhaps is already here when, when using God's Word as a means to direct and order your life is not uh, in vogue. And Paul says, listen, Timothy, it's going to be out of vogue soon if it's not already out of vogue, Timothy. 
And he's telling this to Timothy 2,000 years ago. Church, it's not gathered anymore in style. And Paul is reminding Timothy, he says, listen, you're going to have to teach people how to be uh, made right. You're going to have to teach people how to find the right road. Uh, not that long ago, it was probably a few years ago, I, I learned the value of Scripture. Uh, I was talking with somebody who did not uh, believe the Bible, and they were interested in, in what I thought about some of the fundamentals. You know, They're like, you know, we're told that fundamentalists believe in the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection and the miracles in the New Testament. Surely you don't believe all of those things. Well, no, I surely I do. I said, uh, yeah, I, I do believe those things. And I said, well, you know, you can't really explain those. And I said, well, no, I can't really explain them. I can't tell you how it happened. I, I can just tell you that, that God's Word describes it as happening. And I believe God's Word to be true. You see, when we come back to God's Word, we have a foundation that's greater than any other foundation. You know, it, I don't have to prove that and say, well, I know that this was right and I know exactly how this miracle happened. I don't know how it happened. That's why it's called a miracle. That's why it's called miraculous. It, it takes everybody by surprise. But coming back to God's Word, says, listen, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't like it or it doesn't mean that I do like it. It doesn't mean that, that this is what I want. It just means that this is what God says. And if we want to be faithful to God's Word, we've got to be faithful to God's Word and uphold the authority of Scripture over our own opinion. Uh, let's keep with this driving metaphor just a little bit longer. As we look at this last uh, truth here, and that's we can use God's Word to train on the right path. Training on the right path. Uh, training here uh, means to cause someone to sort of habitually walk on the right path. It's a new habit. I love the New Revised Standard and how it translates this by saying proficient. It, it has you become a proficient walker of godliness, of righteousness. Uh, Paul's faithfulness is rewarded. Uh, he's become proficient. And he talks about this in verse 7 where he says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. From now on there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul here uses some uh, Olympic metaphors, some athletic metaphors, and, and we just finished up watching the Olympics. Uh, we, we loved watching the Olympics in our house. Um, you know, there's different rules associated with each sport. You know, you've got to do this this way, and you've got to do that that way. And, you know, swimming is one of those, those sports. You know, you've kind of, if, you're, if it's the freestyle relay, you've got to do the freestyle. Um, and I understand that. I have a great knowledge of that. I, I've, I've swam a bit, not, not competitively, but I could do the freestyle. As a matter of fact, I, I dare say I have a good working knowledge of freestyle. And yet, the U.S. Olympic swimming team has not asked me to join, uh, despite my, my stellar knowledge. You know, it's also interesting, you know, despite my knowledge of brakes, I've yet to be invited to become an ASC certified mechanic. Also, um, there's something more to it than knowledge, isn't there? You, you know, driving is one of those things. Just because uh, somebody understands the rules of the road, they can read speed limit and the number, they can read do not enter, they can read stop, they have all of that information. We don't consider them a proficient driver until they've done what? Until they have practiced. 
You don't get to join the Olympic swimming team just because you know what swimming is and how it works. You do that after you have trained. You see, God's Word isn't just useful for identifying the good, the bad, and the corrective. It is also useful for training on the right path so that we would become proficient. You know, God's Word, uh, it lays out for us a life of godliness, but having information about the life of godliness is not the same as living the life of godliness. I want to just share with you this this entry from uh, Eugene Peterson. Uh, Eat This Book uh, is the title. Um, It's it's from Men of Integrity Magazine, 2009. Uh, Let me just read this just short. He says, At 35, I bought running shoes and began enjoying the smooth rhythms of long-distance running. Soon I was competing in 10K races every month or so and then a marathon once a year. By then, I was subscribing to and reading three running magazines. But then I pulled a muscle, and I couldn't run for a couple of months. Those magazines were still all over the house, but I never opened one. The moment I resumed running, though, I started reading again. That's when I realized that my reading was an extension of something I was part of. I was reading for companionship and affirmation of the experience of running. I learned a few things along the way, but mostly it was to deepen my world of running. If I wasn't running, then there wasn't anything to deepen. The parallel with reading Scripture is striking. If I'm not living an active response to the living God, reading about His creation, salvation, holiness won't hold my interest long. The most important question isn't what does this mean, but what can I obey? Simple obedience will open up our lives to a text more quickly than a number of Bible studies, dictionaries, and concordances. Church, I want you to know that I agree with Eugene Peterson. I think that when we say, God, I'm coming to your word and I want to know what my response is to this. How can I use this? That's when God starts to open up and reveal us all sorts of new things. At the bottom of your sermon handout, there are some questions that you can ask about texts different texts. So that way, uh, maybe you want to keep that handout and stick it in your Bible for a while. And as you get through this reading, maybe you want to ask yourself those questions. In this that I just read, what what is there according to this list that I can use? What is there here that I can apply? Church, I, I desperately want us to be a church that is faithful to God's Word. But more than that, I want us to be a church that is obedient and uses God's Word. 